Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Government have been trying to say this has been unpredictable, but they need to be more creative and ambitious than that. I've had to go and set up a petition to try and get this over the line. I brought it to our minister. I brought it to the department. Nobody is listening. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right, the cow back after 10 o'clock this morning. Cash cow, more cash to be milked. After 10, another round of the cash cow on Cork's 96FM. Also sending Fiona off on her travels again in association with the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road with another €500 voucher to give away today. More on that as we get closer. Just listening to that uh, political story in the news this morning of Phil Hogan and it broke here yesterday. We were just telling you about it during the show. He may seek compensation and he, he may sue over what happened with regard to to Golfgate, and you know these things—they all—they all work out as they work out, and and you and I have no control over them whatsoever, which is probably for the best. But one thing to be said about Phil Hogan—he's around a long time, and <laughs> there are people in politics who who know where the bodies are buried. We, we you know we've all come across them. They're everywhere. They're in every small corner of Ireland. People who who know where the bodies are buried. There's a few Phil Hogan's out there too And as best described a few years ago uh, Phil Hogan not only knows where the bodies are buried But he knows who bought the shovel And where they bought it So (laughs) it'll be interesting to watch Uh, 0818 96 96 96 Now uh, I've spoken to Andrew Geary uh, before And he's been on the Late Late Show And he's talked passionately about getting for his son Callum, what Callum is entitled to. And there's been a big change in the last few days, Andrew, which will help parents like you and boys like Callum. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on again. Thank Del- you. Delighted. Now, what has happened, for, for the benefit of people who, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't know what's been going on, Andrew, what has happened? It's just been a seven-year campaign to try and get him full access to the curriculum. Callum's deaf. He's never had any hearing. He's born without his hearing nerve. And uh, he uh, basically um, has been 
at school for you know all of his primary school now he's uh, he's had to repeat uh, a class along the way as well and unfortunately um, our teachers in the schools for the deaf don't have to have any qualification in sign language through no fault of their own it's a system failure mm. and PJ uh, we've had a seven year campaign to try to get him fully fluent access inside in that classroom we'd love to have teachers but we can't ask them to go to Trinity for four years so a compromise I thought was to try to get an interpreter in the classroom and it's took seven years of my life to achieve that and Norma Foley and Josephine Madigan announced it last Friday mm. this is a general scheme coming in for every child that was always my aim PJ as you know when I was yes, on with you I know mm. people said why you know and I just think it's better to open the door for every child that than ev- just for one child that every child and, uh, will be guaranteed their own sign language interpreter is that what it would be? That's it. And again, that like the teacher will still do the teaching, but at least that child that's in the classroom will be getting fully fluent access. We can't have children being taught through pigeon. That's not fair on the teacher. It's not fair on the child. And they're losing out um, on, on learning. Uh, there is a program in DCU, PJ, to have deaf teachers of the deaf coming out, mm-hmm. but there's only four have been in there in, in recent times and it took an 11-year campaign from DCU to get that over the line. So, um, but it's it's a good news story, PJ, and I've yeah. had parents all around the country crying on the phone yesterday and it's ringing, I said, let's, let's, let's wait till the boots are on the ground, till the teachers are in the classrooms and, yeah. and the, the interpreter standing next to them. But it's, it, is a, it is a good news story and mm. it's... Uh, a huge relief. These will be fully trained in interpreters, fully fluent interpreters, as opposed to, and you know, I suppose credit is is greatly due, Andrew, and I'm sure you'll be the first to give it. There are many teachers for whom they've just picked up sign language. They've become oh, very yeah. good at it. Very, very yeah, good at it. And, yeah, yeah. But and they're they, not trained in They've learned it on their own time yeah. and expense. Yeah. They've gone out and because there's no classes for them to do. In the in the system as it is, so they've gone out on their own time and expense and paid for those classes to their great credit. And some of them are excellent, but they would be where you were, or I were, PJ at Irish or French, probably at Leaving Cert level. And you can't teach someone. I'm doing my Leaving Cert in sign language this year in MTU Trilly. Are you and really? And I'm doing Andrew? a level six. I, I'm doing level six down below there, six hours a week online, and but. I can't go in and teach the curriculum. We all have kids in the primary school system and yeah. I don't know the signs for conjunction, yeah. uh, decimal, yeah. uh, isosceles, triangle. I can talk to you about the weather. I can even talk to you about history. Yeah. I could tell you uh, a little bit of what happened in the news, but the words that a teacher needs in the classroom to teach English or maths um, and then Callum's due to go to secondary school in September to Bishopstown and he'll be going from doing basically a few subjects to doing 10 subjects every day yeah. and huge lexicon of language needed for that, PJ. And mm-hmm. I will never fault the teachers because I, I think our teachers are first-class people and Callum loves his teachers. He's had one amazing teacher after the next, but he's been savagely left down by a system. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's only because Helen and I went off to sign language classes ourselves for years and we learned, listen, Callum's not actually getting fluent access here through no fault of what's happening. And we raised that first seven years ago with the school and mm. we've had many false dawns along the way, PJ, and a lot of pain and grief along the way and a lot of strife. But listen, mm. 
Mm. I just hope that uh, that bus is parked now. Yeah. What 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 has been agreed is that specifically trained interpreters will be taught. It'll be something like a four year degree. And then they yeah, and that's in place, yeah. and we have them. They're in the Centre for Deaf Studies, Trinity College Dublin, coming out since two thousand and three. So the graduates are there, yeah. and a lot of those graduates are working as freelancers. So it might give a lot of those young interpreters the first time that they would have a job that they can go in and get a mortgage. We all know, and you're covering that subject regularly. Yeah. How difficult our housing market is. Mm. Imagine a young interpreter going in as freelancer and they're paying these people properly. So hold on. That was and a huge battle. That's something that we might have missed. And I think, you know, as, as I always say about, you know, different abilities and different, you know, needs that people have, unless it's on your own doorstep, you, you don't know. So, so what I think you've just said to me is that there are these interpreters out there, they're trained, yeah. but there haven't yeah. been jobs there for them. They, well, they've been working freelance yeah. and again, they wouldn't be permanent posts. There's only a very few. Now, there is a shortage of interpreters in Ireland too, PJ. That's another point. We have a deaf population of first language signers, uh, Irish sign language, about 5,000. Mm. So we have roughly um, 96 hearing interpreters and about 14 deaf interpreters. I, I could explain to you another day what the deaf interpreter does. There's a relay interpreting system for people that have been really left down by the education system. But that compares to a deaf population in Finland of almost the exact same in ours, where they have 600 interpreters. So we probably don't have enough interpreters for our deaf population as it is. But with the Irish Sign Language Act, hopefully more people will come through the Centre for Deaf Studies in Trinity College, Dublin. Um, and keeping the high standard up are people that have left the interpreting uh, because they couldn't make a salary for themselves may begin to come back yeah. now that this is the first part of the public service that has created a job for interpreters. So maybe the health service might do something for hospitals. The yeah. guards might do something for justice. The court service, hopefully, this is just the beginning of the full implementation of the Irish Sign Language Act, mm. which was passed almost five years ago. Yeah, you mentioned three areas there. Um, take, for example, an emergency department in a hospital. One would think it'd be just plain, simple logic that on every shift there would be either a doctor or a nurse who is fluent in sign language. Sadly, it doesn't happen. And there's a National Disability Authority report that has been published by the National Disability Authority since last July, still hasn't been given to us in the general public. It was given to the Cabinet last July and um, I, I had to find some parts of it myself for our own campaign for Callum's education. There's a huge part of that report based on health, mm. justice and education and how our deaf citizens have been totally left down in hospital situations, in schooling systems, as I've pointed out through Callum, and mm. in other sectors of, of well, uh, the you, public service you, too. You mentioned, you mentioned the courts, and I remember in my days as a court reporter where a case had to be put back to get an interpreter. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. commonplace. Now, we've been very lucky in Ireland. We haven't convicted a deaf person of a crime they didn't commit, but that's happened in numerous democracies throughout Europe because of the lack of interpretation or because 
family members were brought in to interpret for people. Imagine you were getting an operation, PJ, and you're a deaf father and your seven-year-old son has to explain to you about this operation that you're getting that has happened. Yeah. In Ireland, back into this our, your huge news has been delivered from the GP to you. You have cancer, and your child has to tell you. Our a parent-teacher meeting. Oh my God. The deaf parents of a de- of a hearing child might go in, and the child has to interpret for their own parents' parent-teacher meeting. Oh my God! The very thought of it. The very thought of it. Coming back into the schoolroom, though, I guess again, just for the benefit of of listeners, the, the, an interpreter up to now would have gone in into a school and been on the same pay scale as an SNA. But now, yeah. now they will have their own pay grade. They will start around the thirty-two thousand mark and can work up a pay scale to the high sixties. Yeah. And again, that'll attract the graduates yeah. because, again, we were asking Trinity College graduates, and again, SNA is a fine role. I, I, I know, listen, lots of friends and family of mine are SNAs, and it's a very demanding role. However, a specialist role is needed for deaf kids. They need a fully qualified interpreter. Yeah. And the graduates from Trinity have gone to university and they all get have to get first class honours degrees, basically, PJ, yeah, yeah, to yeah. become an interpreter. Yeah. If they don't score over 70% in their final exam, they don't become interpreters. Yeah, they don't yeah. get the interpreting degree. They get a different degree. Yeah. So um, that's why these people deserve a, a salary commensurate with their dedication yeah. because they, 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 it's a... Uh, and listen, it's it's a good news to end, you know, yes, parents around the country yesterday were, were and and but it's it's been a tough, tough road. And I want to say thank you to your listeners, thank you to you and to you know, there's lots of people there, PJ, without whom this wouldn't have got anywhere. Like you're telling the story, the examiner and the echo have been brilliant to us here in, in Cork and like, you know, only for Padre O'Sullivan that man just has nailed himself onto the, the deaf issue. And, you know, he got Anne Rabbit, the minister on side, and mm. like Donegal O'Leary there again, a man, you know, who has, you know, yeah. continually been on the phone and had yeah. his his people. And even like, I never met that man, Don O'Leary, in my life. And next he mentioned it on the Brendan O'Connor show on Radio One last week. Yeah. And so, yeah. great support you've has had, come you've, from. You've had, you've had across the board support because it's a very, very simple thing. A child like Callum needs an interpreter. Full stop. End of story. Simple as. And and uh, it's it's a great day for him and for all of his colleagues and friends. And we hope that he does really well when he moves on to secondary. Andrew, and we can we stay with this because there's more to this story down the line. But thanks very much, Andrew Geary. So Callum and youngsters like him will now have a, a right to an interpreter. The interpreters will get jobs in the system. So they're already graduating. They've been working freelance. Now there will be jobs available for them in the system to go in and work with kids like Callum. It's a good day and sometimes we don't get too many good days when it comes to uh, schooling for kids with different abilities. 0818 96 96 96. Right, new furniture centre with us all week out on the Watercourse Road with a 500 euro voucher for you every day. On the opinion line, you can buy custom-made Irish sweets or dining furniture or mattresses and free delivery of Irish-made sofas in just four to six weeks with the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road, a family-run business for the past 40 years and more. So Fiona is on her travels again today. I want you to tell me where she is 
and give me your name, 0833969696 by text or WhatsApp. Your name and where is Fiona? Today I'm in the centre of a popular Cork tourist attraction. Some people even come here to kiss a stone. Where am I? Ah, here. That's a bit easy. Today I'm in the centre of a popular Cork tourist attraction. Some people even come here to kiss a stone. Where am I? If you can't figure that one out, should you, should you even be let out on your own? 0818969696. Get a moment. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The Two Grand Minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Answer 10 questions to claim all that cash. Stacking up the cash. 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 The two grand minute. On Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stall. Stall the ball. Stall the ball. Cool your jets. It's a text and WhatsApp entry. The phones are on fire. There's steam coming out from under the desk. It's text or WhatsApp, please. 083-396-9696 to tell us where Fiona is today. Today I'm in the centre of a popular Cork tourist attraction. Some people even come here to kiss a stone. Where am I? 083-396-9696 It's a text or WhatsApp competition. Linda, I read this tweet and I said, What? Where? What happened? Good morning. Hi, PJ. What happened uh, yesterday I was out with my family, my husband and my two little girls in a shopping centre and my husband was in a shop trying on a pair of shoes and I was entertaining our two toddlers in one of those, you know, those machines that the kids go into and you put two euro in or whatever. And so one of my little girls, and the youngest one, she's 19 months old, and um, was just kind of walking around the cars uh, and climbing. And I was just standing next to her. And this old man approached us and he bent down. Now, like kids, people approach my kids all the time. So this isn't particularly new. Um, but he bent down really low, got into her face and raised his fist to her and said, how do you fancy a dig? I go I was just kind of looking at him going, what? And I just, I don't know how, but I just said, uh, that's no way to speak to a little girl and kind of moved my between him and her. And he walked away and I just kind of turned over my shoulder to look at him and he came back to me and he said, in 10 years time, you'll be able to say it yourself to her. I was just left like open mouth in the shopping centre, oh, just looking yeah. after this man who just walked away, you know. And I put it up online and like it's gotten such a massive reaction. And like other women have contacted me to say they feel really vulnerable when they're out on their own with their kids. They feel like they're a target. Somebody, another woman shared with me, she was in a supermarket and her three-year-old was crying and a man came up, got in the three-year-old's face and started fake crying to the three-year-olds. Um, and then when the mom, when the mom said to him, "Can you please stop doing this?" Like the man went off in a rant about like kids these days, um, and somebody else saying like they experienced this a lot with older relatives in their family. Um, so I don't know if that's the case or like it's, it's not acceptable when a relative does it, but when a complete randomer 
strolls up to your child in a shopping centre where the child is just playing away harmlessly and says, how do you feel about a dig? That's, 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 um, that's crazy stuff. It's just, yeah, it's still kind of hard to believe now. I have to say a good few people got in touch with me to say they have experience of older family members at the early stages of dementia. And it sounded really familiar to them, this sort of kind of unusual, out of the blue, totally inappropriate aggression. Um, which if it's the case is also really sad and yeah. problematic, you know, that this man was out unaccompanied and, yeah. you know, is obviously struggling with that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I was really struck by like more than one person came back and said, that sounds so familiar. Did, did you go to central management and complain? I didn't because he was gone. Like he he was just gone, and I was just stood there in shock. And only afterwards, like loads of people have suggested I call the guards, but like, what would they do? You know, like how would they even find him, and what would it achieve? You know, I just don't think it would actually make any difference to anyone. You know, well, well, you um, see, if 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 you made, and you could probably still go back to the centre and, and I'm only making mm. a suggestion here this kind of might be what I'd do or what the Queen Bee would do go back to the centre ask to make a complaint an incident report give the approximate time they will have CCTV and it's up to them then to have their security watch for this man and warn him as to his future conduct yeah that might be a good idea because it's just hard to know because like that I was even able to say anything to challenge him, you know, because often you're just stuck in those moments and it kind of goes goes past you, you know. Um, and like, it's funny, even loads of replies were like, you know, I'd have, I'd have given him a dig and stuff. And that kind of just misses the point a little bit because, you know, like, you know, we have a problem of violence in this country and we in particular have a problem with male violence. And I think, you know, we need to try and figure out a way to just stamp it out, whether it seems like a really small and consequential thing or whether it's a bigger assault. You know, we just, we really have to figure it out because she's not even two, you know. I was just <laughs> going to ask, even... is she all right? Did she, was she blissfully unaware? Did she even Sorry. understand what was that happening? Yeah. Like she was just kind of giving him a look as if to say, like, what are you about? Like, you know, um, but it's um, it still shouldn't be happening no, to anybody, you know. Good Lord. I would. That's just a suggestion I'd throw out there. Go back to the centre, ask to file an incident report, tell him what happened, tell him where it was, tell him the approximate time. They look at CCTV because they have to have CCTV for every... Mm-hmm. corner, every public area in the store in the, in the shopping centre, they yeah. have CCTV and just say, look, I'd like you to look at it and I'd like you to yeah. if you see the man around particularly please. if the person is irregular yeah. you know, if he is some misfortunate man who is in early dementia it doesn't excuse it but at the, again, they could watch out for him for his own, for his own welfare yeah, absolutely. Because the absolutely. next person no, might be a good idea. the next. The next person might might flatten him, and then you have another problem. Yeah, it's just whatever way you look at it, it's just not a good situation, no, no, you know. No, 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 God, that's awful. Have a think about that, Linda. Talk, talk. I will talk, do. Talk, yeah, talk no, to your husband about it. I mean, don't talk to your husband about it. Just go back and make it and say, look, here's the t- maybe go back to look. Here's what happened. Here's the time. Here's where we were. I want to make a complaint because I'd like, if you would to maybe, if you see that man around, to warn him as to his future conduct. 
Yeah, like it's funny when my husband came out of the shoe shop and I told him, like it all came like rushing out, you know, and he was just looking at me like I had five heads going. He said, what? What? Where? Where is he gone? I was like, he's gone. He's gone, you know. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just unbelievable. You know, I think that's what it is. And like, but like really surprised that actually it's not uncommon. Um, you know, and that women feel vulnerable being out with their kids, you know, in like in broad daylight in shopping centres yeah. for fear somebody's going to approach them. Like it's, like, is, you know, we definitely anything, have to do better than that. Is there anything that the rest of us can do? Like we're all talking at the moment about calling out bad behaviour when we see it, uh, you know. Is there anything we can do to stop this? I mean, was there anybody around at the time? Oh, like it was busy, but like it happened in a flash. Yeah, yeah. You know, because like like most people when they come up, you know, and like people with young kids know this, like people come up to you all the time and like make googly faces or kind of, you know, say, oh, the baby's lovely or whatever. And most of the time it's lovely. It's not anything negative, you know. Um, like, so it was just kind of that. And next thing the fist came up, I was like, what is happening um, and it kind of registered um, but you know you just would have thought taken it as just a normal like somebody saw a cute baby and they came up and they were saying a few nice words um, you wouldn't have spotted necessarily anything necessarily negative going on other than kind of maybe seeing my face afterwards you know um, but I think like one of the things you know when people said about like you know what happens in our family and with other relatives I think you know we all have a responsibility to model good behaviour for young people and like that's on all of us I think regardless and you know in families and outside and we have to do that and we have to do that well you know Um, and that might just be something as simple as saying I'm uncomfortable with how you handle that situation if you're in a family situation which is definitely the most difficult one to challenge you know yeah yeah, I mean, in the back of my mind is ringing a, a faint alarm bell that suggests that what that man did might even be an offence, you know? Uh, so I, I would Yeah, like a few people have definitely, like, said that, you know. Um, and so I'm just glad that my little girl is too yeah, young to and that's the most, understand. Uh, and that's the most You know, important. if it had been my older girl, it would have been a different story. Like, she would have been really, really scared. And, yeah, okay. um, you know, so... Linda, have a think about what we were saying and, and if, if you do do that, if you do decide to take that course of action and, and you get any kind of response from the centre, come back to us and, and let us know how it goes. Thanks for that, Linda Kelly. There's her story. In a shopping centre, waiting for her husband who's inside in a shoe shop, playing with the kids on one of these coin-operated machines. This randomer, elderly, wanders up, holds his fist up to the child and goes... How would you fancy a dig? Like, huh? 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers.
The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now on the Cork's 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. Bit of response yesterday to Susan's story about ants in the house coming back every July for the last couple of years, just for a couple of days. And they're all over her sunroom and she's tried everything. She's dreading that they might come back again this year and she's trying to get her as they say get her retaliation enforced. Um you heard her on the show yesterday. If it's ants, someone suggests get borax powder and mix it with sugar and make a paste out of it and put that down. Since we pump the walls, we have them coming every year. We never had them before that. So something must have disturbed them. Did that lady do any renovations to her house that year or the year before? PJ, we have them every summer on all of the curtains. I paid over 300 quid to pest control. No good. I'd appreciate any advice. We were talking yesterday about maybe getting a, a pest control expert to, to talk about this a bit more because it is the time. Spring starts next week. Don't, don't, okay? Spring starts next week and then the summer will come and the ants will be back and... Susan is dreading it. 0818 96 96 96. Right. Now, James, good morning to you. Good morning. Now, this horse box was stolen late last Friday night, yeah? Or was it late Thursday night into Friday? No, it's the Friday, which was the 18th, um, between 12 and uh, 5 o'clock on the morning. uh, Friday night into Saturday morning. Absolutely. Okay. And it's not only, and it was taken from your your yard, you're in Blarney, and it's not only any old horse box, it's a very special horse box. Well, we have a window, and she has ADHD, and look, she... She was she she when well, she was when she was younger she was in fairly fairly hard going and still today she can get a meltdown over something and she likes to have everything prim and proper. Didn't mm. much the box would be spotless washed out and she have a pony that we got we got him as a well, she, he's a he's nearly a, he's a, he's a big pony he we got him as as a foal and trained him and she have him and the money was under a thousand euros for that. And the value we got out of that thousand euros, if we, if you, if you, if you bought everything for a, a million euros, you wouldn't see a woman so happy with yeah. that, yeah. that particular pony and the box. And she goes, they goes to Maryville on Saturdays, and they goes to Coach, Coachford Aquarium. Then after dinner for cross country jumping and stuff like that. And she be ADHD. That's, that's the only issue. Yeah. There's not is we, we have no problems. We just have issues. Okay, yeah. problems. For the, sure. A problem to me is when I'm being driven into Maymount or into a hospital with three months to live. That to me is a problem. Outside of that, people will be giving out about stupid things and we own it. We have an issue, so we get on with it. But we deal with it every day and she has a meltdown and look, that's it. So anything to just keep her happy without, you know, something simple. So she goes to Marymount and she next you get a phone call. Dad, I'm after Winnie Rosette. Lord, to like winning the gold medal. Ireland, I tell you, it's unbelievable. The excitement would be just unbelievable. Right. And now it is just when the meltdown came on Saturday, when the, the, the I was away and they came back, they, they rang me, said, "Where's the box?" I said, "The box in the bottom the yard." And they said, "No, it's not there." And then I made a few phone calls, and then the penny dropped that it was not there. It was gone. Like, and um, so I come, I came back straight away, then, and it was all the evening trying to get her to cool down and. 
geez, no matter what you do, it was just... We all had, when we were younger, some people gone, you'd, you'd go mad for a while and then you'd cool down. Yeah. But then this, she just, and when she'd go, when she'd get a, go, when she'd go, come out of being mad, then she'd just go down on herself and totally, you know, no matter what you did, you couldn't get her back, like, and that to me is heartbreaking, like. Ah, you know yeah. I mean? ah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And everything in it was laid out the way she wanted it. It was all her thing. That was her yeah, thing. Something for simple, nothing massive, no expense. I, I mean, no oh, Jesus, there was not, there wasn't thousands involved. Just, just uh-huh. small money, but it was just. Do you know what? Stuff, it it doesn't. Like. But it, but it. You know what, James? It, it doesn't matter if it was twenty quid <clears throat> or twenty thousand. It's her I, stuff. It's her I, thing. I goes into people. I'm in the drainage business. I goes into people there cleaning out, and I says, and I have guys with me, and I said to me before, I said. And I didn't have to say it, but I just said it to them anyway. I said, no matter what people have in their house, no matter what is, if just if they had the clothesline full of twenty euro notes and one of them fell down in the lawn, that is belong to people of the house. End of. And I said, you put it up in the clothesline. Yes, if you want it to be good, but you don't put it in your pocket, right? Do you know what I mean? So and describe the box for me in case um, anybody saw it. A blue, um, a blue Ivor Willems 505 is the model, and it's a dark blue. The lower side of it is dark blue. The top half of it is um, white, and the uh, it's a double axle, and it's a dub, it's a it's a double horse. It, it takes two horses side by side. It's not an element. It's the wide one. Most of them are all that side, but it's a double wheels, four wheels on it, and um, black mudguard. And there's picture there on the, the Blarney blog. And um, but if you see the back of it, the lights have been changed since that picture was taken. There's LED lights now on the back of it. Okay. Okay. So look, that's the. It isn't to just to just for for what it is. It isn't because it's the only one in the world or anything like that. And I'm not special, and we're not special people, and I don't want to be. But just the fact that she was. I never see anyone to get such a kick out of it. Out of it. She mm-hmm. had a little bit, uh, she had a Bichon, and the Bichon was her life. And one morning she woke up, and the, the dog was after passing away. He was 14, and his nest beside the bed, and that was another meltdown. Oh, so the pony was the next. We got a pony then, and that turned the whole thing around completely. And, you know, it just was her life. She organizing things and things, even the hair rack. She had a little, a little. Um, it was like a nest where they have a let you. You put the hay into the nest yeah. for hanging, for hanging the hay up front, and she had the fresh hay and all inside this, and uh, everything, and the nuts ready to um, in in the box the night before to go to the to Maryville in Carrigaline that that morning. So, well, look, if anyone I'd appreciate it, see anything at all, any any little thing to be really, really, really appreciated. Okay. Any bit of information that we could put this to put a bit of lightness that I could you know the girls were notified, but at the same time. If someone wanted to put it somewhere and bring it back and drop it and ring the station or just ring someone and ju- or just leave it somewhere public that so we can get it, that's grand with me too. Just to get it back, I don't give a ton. I don't mean more about just to get it back. I want it back. If we can get it back for her, okay. that's it. Okay, so you're willing to... You're, and if someone's listening now, chances are they're not, but if someone's listening now, who knows what happened to that box, just, yeah, just put anybody. it somewhere and there'll be yeah. no more about it. No more about it. I don't give a toss of what. I just drop it, and I can pick it up, and let big guy by by guns. But then I just learn the lesson. Say, look, we will move on, and that's it. And people do change. Look, give everyone a break. No matter what is in life, you must give people a break because there's no one perfect. I'm not perfect, and I don't want to be perfect. I see you know, no one ever perfect in life. So, 
that's you, the bottom line. Do you know you what know I mean? Roger, you're, 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 doing, you're doing a fine, fine job coming telling the story, and that's so important. And I well, hope... Uh, how how is she since? Is she, is she getting... Is she, is she calming down a little bit? She, oh, she, oh, she's calmed down, but she's just down on herself. You know what I mean? There's no jizz, like you'd have, you'd have a bit of jizz, and she'd be, you know, yourself with kids, and you'd be all going, you know, and they're just I down do. the gear. She'd break her half light, you know what I mean? Just to be fair, like. And when, when would she normally go to the yard then to carry line? Oh, well, she'd be, she comes over, she'd be at the horses every day, but then she'd, on Saturday morning, and they'd get geared up, ah. and they'd strike off about 12 or 1 o'clock in the day, heady off down. That should be hard. That's a bit hard. Know, no, no. Well, I actually look, trying to get some taste, but it wouldn't be the same. Just, just that box. I know. So it's hurting. So it's hurting. There's been dear friends of mine there. They have boxes and they're offering boxes and everything. People are so kind. You know, just I know. This, but, but if I got it, look, I'll have to get something finished. But if I can get that one, I would really, really appreciate. You know what I mean? So All right, uh, listen, James. I, I look from. I, I just hope that that something happens. And like you said, you're you're a kind and generous man. If if anybody knows where it is or indeed the, if the person who took it is listening just put it back somewhere let, let us here's, here's what I'll say James they don't even if someone knows where that is just yeah. tell us where you put it and we'll yeah. pass it on so they don't even yeah. have to deal with you at all you know, and there'll be no more said about it. All right. No it's more, a, move on. D- move describe on. it again. It's a blue Ivor Williams. That's the I-F-O-R. Ivor Williams. It's a double-sided horse box. Blue. What colour is it on, on top then? It's, it's, it's white on top. It's mostly all blue. And the last, where it goes up or over the curve, it's, it's all white. white. Okay. It's, it's white, yeah. And okay. the back on, on the back door, there's a big, it's probably taken off and no big sticker. It says caution. Um, it's on lemon reflection on uh, livestock okay. on board. It might still be there. You'd never know. All right, look, James. If if anybody can trace that around uh, and and get it back to yourself for your daughter, what what's her name, by the way? Jill. 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 Oh, yeah. well, now that's Cole. that's close to my own heart. My no, wife's no. name. My wife's name is Jill. Okay. okay. All right, James. I hope everything works out or something works out at least. That's awful. Thank you. Oh eight one eight. 96, 96, 96. Look, this is probably the longest shot now in the rifle range. But if anybody knows where that is, tell us. We'll tell James. And there'll be no more about it, except there'll be a lot of happiness in that household. Wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Rory Hurley, these are beautiful little cushions. It's absolutely lovely. Where'd you get the idea from? Good morning to you. Hi, how are you? Uh... Well, I got the idea two years ago when my grandparents gave me a sewing machine for my birthday as an early birthday present. And I just decided to come up with the idea because my sister would read the cushions when she was going to bed and she couldn't find them the next day. So I just decided to make a cushion with a pocket so then she wouldn't have to worry about losing the The book. book. You're only 11 years old. Your grandparents gave you a, a sewing machine. Yeah, well, it was nine two years ago as an early birthday present. Yeah, and was it? An, did you expect? Was it something you had asked for, or was it that just a surprise? Yeah, it was a surprise because they decided to get. I'm guessing because they saw that I was wanting to start sewing and something. Because my mom would do knitting and crochet, and my sister would be hand sewing. So I just wanted to do something to do with sewing. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing they, that's why they got it for me. Right, and then this is just a. Cushion. I, I think it's a brilliant idea, by the way. 
as someone who reads a bit. So this is a, a, a cushion and you you stitch or sewed a little flap onto it and at night when you finish reading your book, you pop the book into then the cushion. You, yeah, you can put it into the little pocket That's so then you don't lose it the next day or you can put it into like a remote if you're having it in the living room so you don't lose the remote. That's the coolest idea. So so are, they, are, are, are you selling them now, you are? Yeah, I'm selling them on Facebook at Laguerre's Reading Cushions and Shop in Ireland. Okay. And where? And you're getting orders, I think, from all sorts of places. Yeah. How, yeah uh, where, where, where have you gotten, gotten them from? from uh, we gotten some from Germany, um, Netherlands, Scotland, and Canada. And one order was like from Chicago or... Something like that, yeah. And how long does it take you to make one? Uh, around a couple of hours, I'd say. Right. And so you can do it with any cushion. You just get a piece of fabric. Would you try and get the same fabric or what? Uh, no, we would like do a different cushion, like every cushion. So there'd be one fabric which would be the main fabric, and then the like the pocket would be a different fabric. So then it's not just boring and plain. I gotcha. I gotcha. You're a proper young entrepreneur here. You've you've stumbled on a fantastic idea. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do, would you would you like yeah. to develop it into a business? I know you're only eleven, but would you like to? Definitely. Because when I was in fourth class, uh, my teacher had a one-year-old, and they would constantly be trying to find the remote and like chew on it. So yeah. when I gave her the cushion, she said that it would be very useful for hiding the remote from her from her one-year-old. Yeah, of course, that's brilliant too. You put one on the couch, yeah. and at night you put the remote. That's that's so cool. And you know what happens? You see what happens with me then, Rory, is I come down the following day and forget where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. brilliant what do your friends think of all this uh, they find it interesting and they're constantly asking will you hire me because they want to get paid pretty much wow yeah Joe Joe Byrne and uh, Joseph Hairstallon said he bought a couple of cushions off and absolutely delighted with them I think this is yeah. the coolest idea I've ever heard 11 years of age you've got some business head on you young man thanks Absolutely. And the, the the little machine, is it the machine you used to do it then? Yeah, a uh, brother. Very good. They were a great friend yeah, in their time. Wow. Yeah, the company, um, like someone in Germany the that worked for the company, um, actually sent my mom a message that they were going to send us a brother S50. Right. So it would have 50 different types of stitches. Wow, 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 wow. And are you on, on midterm this week, Rory? Yeah. So have you orders to fill? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and where are they going, do you know? Uh, not really sure. You're not really sure. You're just getting on with your work. Yeah. Um, you got a few, a few, a few cushions. Joe bought a few cushions for Adele House. And says you're a great job. Yeah. You gave him a great price. Listen, congratulations and well done. And I, I, I know that I'll be coming back to you in a few years' time when you're selling stuff internationally and you're a millionaire from making cushions. I think it's brilliant. That's just a wonderful idea. Rory Harley, uh, Rory's Cushions, Rory's Reading Cushions on Facebook. Simple, simple idea. That brightens up a morning, doesn't it? Cam-
we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Whatever sport you support, we want you to grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. Stick it on for Radiothon. If you need a light to shine it. 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns in May and this year Friday May 27th is Jersey Day we want you to hold a Jersey Day hold a Jersey Day get together with family friends or colleagues and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services for more see 96fm.ie The 2022 Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 26th to 28th only on Cork's 96 FM the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 966 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Remember, you got the password this morning from Casey and Ross. I don't intend to give it to you again. No, you might be able to find it if you go looking at our Instagram page, but I don't intend to give it to you again. We'll call for the password and call for entries at some stage this hour. Get somebody on the air and we'll play the game. And remember, if the cow moves, you lose. So I would say within the next... 35 to 40 minutes. We live another round of Cash Cow. 0818 96 96 96. Now, ever since we first discussed the subject of Lyme disease on the programme, God, it, I'm trying to remember which year it was. I'd say it could have been around 2017, maybe. It's certainly a number of years ago, and it's certainly well and truly pre pandemic. Every time we do, discuss it and and keep in touch with it people come forward to us and to the point where you know it's the sheer scale of this is mind blowing Um, and the fact that it's just one man effectively in the country ploughing a lone furrow in treatment and that man being Dr. Jack Lambert it, it It's, like I said, mind-boggling. And in the last few days, since we started talking about it again, we've been contacted again by Katie. Katie, tell me your story about Lyme disease. When did you get sick? I got sick when I was 25. Um, I started getting nerve pain in my hands and... Uh, the pain was up through my neck so that was my first symptom which is not common I know but that was the first one I noticed and the first one that I ended up in hospital investigating and then the pain just wouldn't go away and you know the pain was spreading throughout my whole body and I had this chronic pain stabbing pain all over my body and I just kept getting more and more symptoms 
um, I have about 42 symptoms before by the end of the three years it took to get diagnosed. Um, but I went to over 16 doctors and that includes specialists as well. And nobody could diagnose me. I was misdiagnosed with tennis elbow, cubital tunnel, um, irritable bowel because I had stomach issues and fibromyalgia. And one doctor told me I had a rare condition, but he didn't have a name for it. So that was an, it just, uh, did I say chronic pain syndrome? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, we, we'll, we'll get to the fact in a minute that your memory is still a bit off. So that's, yeah. okay. that's okay. So like you were in, a, you were a mess at 26, were you? Yeah, I was a mess at 26, but it was getting progressively worse. Like I'd say by the end of 26, I was using a walking stick. Um, God. So, but <laughs> that's very hard, like at a young age to have to decide that yeah. you have to use a walking stick. And can you remember being bitten? No, I don't remember being bitten and I don't remember the rash, but I was an outdoorsy person and I spent a lot of time with horses, but I never knew about ticks in Ireland. Yeah. So I would have never have checked, you know, and yeah. I suppose if I got bitten, I probably wouldn't have taken heed to it really. Yeah. So there you are, walking on a stick at 26. You must have been... How did you feel? I mean, scared, I suppose? Confused? How did you feel? Well, I honestly felt like I was going to die. I, that, I honestly felt like that, and I honestly felt like there was no hope. And to be honest, my symptoms were so bad that I didn't really mind. <laughs> Do you know, and that's a terrible thing to say, but the thoughts of living till 80 with all these symptoms was terrifying. Right. And did anything work? Did anything give you relief? Not like doctors kept prescribing me really strong painkillers. And one doctor was kept pushing antidepressants on me, but they were all bandages. And like, as soon as I went off them, you know, I'd be back to where I was and I'd be worse. And they were masking the pain as well. And I didn't want to become an addict, to be honest, either. Yeah, like, sure. So how did you get in touch with or how did you hear about uh, Jack Lambert? Well, to be honest, one of my friends pushed me to get tested with Armin Labs in Germany. Yes. And so I got my bloods done with my own doctor and then they sent the bloods to Germany and then it came back that I was positive for Lyme. Mm. So I went to my own doctor then and I showed her the results, but she didn't believe the results. Did you know what Lyme was? Um, well, I knew what it was when I looked it up, but no, I didn't really know what it was, to be honest, before that. But I went to my doctor and she didn't believe the results, but she believed because they test your immune system and I had a chronically suppressed immune system. Right. And she believed that part, but she didn't believe the Lyme part of the Ehrman Lab results. But eventually, like I broke down that day, to be honest, in that doctor's office, I was in, I couldn't even talk after coming out of there. I was so upset. Mm. I just wanted help and I wanted someone to help me. I had a normal life and then I got sick and nobody was doing anything for me. Mm -hmm. And I asked her to send me to Dr. Lambert. I requested that she send me to Dr. How, Lambert. How did you hear about him? I followed this girl on Instagram. Mm. <laughs> 
And she told me about him, basically, right. that he was the only doctor in Ireland treating it. And how long did it take to get to see him? It actually didn't take that long. It only took about two months. Um, I think I had very severe symptoms, so that possibly helped yeah. a little bit. But I don't know. I know it's six months now or something like yeah. that. So when you go to meet him then and he looks at you and says, OK, I know what to do. What's that moment like? It's relief. It's just like someone believes me and I don't have to convince this doctor because I went in thinking I'm going to have to go in all blunt guns blazing and be like, I want to get treated. Yeah. Help me. But he, there was no like questioning your symptoms. He was just like listening and writing it down and saying that's, you know, validating your symptoms and not, basically you don't feel like you're crazy anymore. Yeah. It's it's just such a relief, and I I have very bad anxiety going to doctors because they just didn't believe me. Mm. So I was very worried, and but he was so understanding, and even like you'd be afraid sometimes to go in with a stick to a doctor because they'd be like, "You're a young person. What are you doing with this stick?" But there is no. He didn't look at me any different. Yeah. He just treated me as a person with respect, and it was I. It was different. <laughs> so what did he do there? And then just, did he just write your prescriptions or did he put you on? Was, it, was there a long program there was? Yeah, I'm still on. I'm still in treatment. Um, I'm over a year on antibiotics now um, and different supplements and stuff. But the thing about the treatment I found the best is he's always there. If I have an issue, I can email him and he'll get back to me within a day or two. Mm. Whereas other specialists, that's not the case. You know, you can't just email them. And but he's always he's always on call for his patients. Like he's he will always answer your questions. And mm. it's just it's it's a different experience to be honest. Yeah, since you started taking the medicine, Katie, how are you? Well, I got a lot worse on the antibiotics at the start, to be honest. Okay. Um, it took at least six months to see little improvements because mm. um, I suppose the bacteria came out of hiding. Yeah, It was kind of scary, to be honest. It was very scary. And when it was getting worse before it got better, what did Jack say to you? He was, he was reassuring that we don't really, in some cases, we don't see improvement until six months. And yeah. it wasn't like, oh... You know, we'll give up. It was like we keep going, and we'll we'll change the antibiotics, and we'll target this this co-infection, and we'll. You know, it was always, it was never the attitude. Oh, that's it. Mm. How how are you compared to say twelve months ago? Compared to twelve months ago, I'm a different person. Um, <laughs> do you know, I can do things now. I can shower, <laughs> shower. I'm not bed bound. Um, I was yes I was very very sick um, just doing daily stuff you know just doing the filling the dishwasher is is an achievement now and I can walk three kilometers without a stick now wow. which is a lot for me and it's slow but I can do it yeah and I don't have you know I don't before it was like, this is going to kill me. I'm just going to let it. But now it's like, I feel it's a more positive attitude. Yeah. That must have been terribly frightening at times. I mean, you must, did you lie awake at night? I didn't sleep. You didn't so. sleep? No, no. <laughs> no, I was tossing and turning all night because of the pain. But um, 
it was terrifying to be honest it was terrifying to think that and but I didn't really vocalize it to people because sure. people will, people kept telling me, oh, you look great. Oh, you look great. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, well, I feel like death. To be honest. Yeah. Now, the memory, as you said to me at the start of the call, it, it's not what it should be just yet. No, um, it got very bad. Like I, I'd meet people on the street and not know who they were. And I had. I'd be going to visit family and I'd be like, who are, you know, I wouldn't remember their names. And I actually was not able to read for a good while. Cranky. And even now, when I'm reading stuff, I'm like, what, what's that word? What's, right. it's kind of retraining the brain again. And I had speech difficulties and I still do have um, finding word problems. Like right. I'd be just, I described the word to you, but I won't be able to tell you the word. Yeah. But it feels like someone that has dementia or Alzheimer's at wow. times, and it's scary. And because you're young, they take no heed of it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it is scary. And I, other people have come to me and said that is a very scary symptom. Like, And have you got a, any kind of a time scale as to when that'll improve? Not really. The... Uh, the it's kind of to hope that the swelling in the brain comes down wow. and hope that I get it back. But I suppose I don't know if it'll ever fully be. Well, you're hoping against hope that it will. And we hope that for you, Katie. Yeah, I'm hoping that it's only, it's only for him. I would have not got my life back only for Jack. I would have been, I don't know where I would be now, to be honest. Wow. Well, look, I've taken up enough of your time. You're tired, so... Get some rest and take care of yourself and we'll talk again. Thank you. I spoke to Katie uh, last evening. Yet another person coming forward to say, if it wasn't for Jack Lambert, where would I be? 0818 96 96 96. There's so much of it out there. The one thing that you'd learn from it all is if you're out in a woodland or out for a walk or out in the countryside and you get a bite... Uh, and make sure it's not a tick bite and whatever, put something on it. And if it, if you start to see a little rash around, get to a chemist or get to a doctor straight away because you can stop it very quickly if you catch it. You can stop it with doxycycline, which is an antibiotic, but you need to catch it and you know what it is. You need someone who's prepared to take on board what it is, which unfortunately, uh, not enough people are taking it on board as to how damn serious and all-encompassing this this illness can be. 0818 96 96 96. A few more suggestions about the ants and what Susan might do with the ants. Get ant powder from Eurogiant. Best investment ever. I had the same problem. Traps are no good. Failing that, use boiling water. Okay. Tom says with the same problem. Get ant stop, bait stations, and place them where you see them coming out. Make sure the floor is swept and there's no other source of food. Leave for a few days and don't disturb. They carry it back to the nest and it wipes them out. Yet hope. Right, our competition with the Furniture Centre. <laughs> Where is Fiona? 500 euro voucher a day, every day this week, uh, from their range of custom Irish-made suites or dining furniture or mattresses and Irish 
sofas delivered in just four to six weeks. All that from the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, and we have a 500 euro voucher every day. It's text or WhatsApp, all right? Cook. <laughs> They nearly broke the phones the first hour. Text or WhatsApp? 083 396 9696. Where is Fiona? She's not there anyway. Where is she? Today I'm in the centre of a popular Cork tourist attraction. Some people even come here to kiss a stone. Where am I? Give us her location and your name. 083 396 9696. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. We had a big response to Rory and his cushions with the little slot in them, the little flap in them to put the book in or a remote in or whatever you're trying not to lose in. A genius idea. Wow. I love it, says this message. Uh, make sure he patents it, though. They look great. And Rory Hurley here with the, with the cushion. I'm his cousin. His business is popping off big time. And I'm also the... Per- oh, hello there. Hello there, young man. I told people about this, this chap. I was going to the Omniplex uh, with my boy to see the James Bond movie. And we was in the middle of restrictions, so they were just easing off restrictions, and we hadn't been to the cinema in quite some time. And I don't know if you, if you have been there since the pandemic. It's all changed now, and you have to go into this queue and that queue, and you have to buy in advance, and you have to. It's it's confusing to say the, to say the absolute least. It can be confusing. And this young chap stepped up and said, "You need to go there, and you need to go there." And I was saying. What? what? You just need to go there and you need to go there. And he was so helpful. So thank you again for that. 0818969696. Staying with young entrepreneurs, we're going to go from uh, cushions to, to cupcakes and treats. Kean, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, Thanks for good. inviting me on there, PJ. Delighted. Kean yeah. Foley, I'm looking at your Instagram and I'm hungry already. Thank you. You're 15. When did you start baking? Um, I mean, I've kind of always been baking, you know, with my mom growing up, we would always um, go baking together. And then I kind of started, you know, being kind of, um, you know, baking by myself when we were down in Kerry and I did a bake sale. Right. A little bit of help from my mom, but it was kind of mostly me. Sure, sure. Yeah. And did the lockdown sort of focus your attention and on it and did you do more? Um, I mean, I did more baking, but um, I, well, I wasn't outside the church anymore because with COVID and everything, I don't think people would be, you know, buying food that's made, you know, in people's homes. Yeah, yeah. Just, and know, during COVID, so. Tell people about the, about the, the it's a stall. It's, it's like a little, you've got your own little business outside, outside um, Longton Church. Yep. Um, it's a food trailer and um, we spent the last nine months renovating it to, you know, get it to where it is and... We've only been up now about two weeks, and it's been great. You know, there's been a very positive response. So, so what time happy. are you there? Um, I'm there from 11 um, Saturday and Sunday till around 4, 4-ish. Okay, so when do you start planning for the weekend, and when do you start baking? Um, I buy most of the ingredients on a Friday, and then Saturday evening I'll bake the lemon cake and the brownies, and then the next morning I get up early before I go down, and I'll bake the cupcakes, the butterfly cakes, and the cookies, and... That's kind of what time would you get up? 
Um, around six or seven. On a Saturday? Mostly probably like six. At 15 on a Saturday? I know, yeah. When I was 15, I would stay in bed until six in the evening. I know, a it's a lot of work, yeah. I was a very lazy teenager. Mm-hmm. Some would say I was a very lazy adult, but no, yeah. I, the six o'clock, you're brilliant, that's fantastic. Thank and, you. And, and the, the little trailer, where'd that come from? Um, we got that um, in Rathcormac. My um, dad, when he was up at work, he saw an auto repair shop and they had a trailer up on the axis getting a wheel replaced. And my dad went over talking to the owner saying, oh, um, what was that? And he said, it's a coffee trailer. And my dad came home jokingly saying we should get one for Kean. And I was very persistent and I went online and we found one that we liked. So Brilliant. that's kind of how it originated. You know, getting up at six in the morning on a Saturday, like there's a lot of sacrifice there. Do you miss out on times with your friends and stuff? Um, I mean, not really, because um, I don't do it for the weekdays, so if there's days on Fridays where I have a half day, you know, I can go out on a Friday, but then Saturday and Sunday, you know, I kind of don't really get to go anywhere because it's kind of late then in the dark, so... Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. This is something that you'd like to make a profession out of, I think. Yep. I'd love to open, you know, a bakery in the city someday, you know, in the future, but um, for now we're stuck with the trailer, which is great, of course, you know, I love trailer, sorry. You're, now you're, 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 you're on mid-term. Where, whereabouts are you in school? What, what point of school are you at? Um, I'm in third year in um, GCC in Gamwire. Okay, okay. Yes. What's the Grailcloster, yeah? Pardon? Is that the Grailcloster? Uh, no, it's, um, it's near Super Value. Oh, right, another one. Still there, yeah. yeah. Oh, good man, good man. Third yeah. year, so you have a lot, of, a lot of school ahead of you, but this, you're going to continue this at, at the weekends? Yep, a well, part-time the, job. Good man. Well, the Instagram is fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. The, the brownies look like I'd crawl for them. They're just brilliant. Thank you. Uh, and and you, plan, you plan on on doing this when you... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You finish school and this is, this, is, this is the career choice. Yeah, this will be my career choice. Yeah. You know, I have a passion for baking and, you know, I'd want to take it to the next step in the future yeah. and open a bakery. 
You were, you were kind of baking before it was cool. Okay, it was cool. It got cool during the lockdown yeah. for everybody to be baking. But you were you were baking before it was cool. <laughs> I was, yeah. yeah. Um, I used to sell them actually outside downtown church for about two years. Well, yeah. it was actually about a year before um, COVID, yeah. or a year and a half. And then towards the end of COVID, I went back down again. And then mm. you know we had to kind of pause for a bit because we got the trader, and then we spent the past. Nine really? months renovating, and we didn't think it would take that long, but it did. So, what's, what's your favourite thing to bake? Um, it would probably be, probably be brownies. Yeah, because yeah. they're my favourite. Yeah, no, there's very little to beat a good brownie. You got it. Yeah. You got it. All right, listen, Kean, congratulations on the success. The Instagram page is lovely. It's called Kean's Cakes and Sweet Treats, and it's a mouth-watering Instagram page. And he's outside Glanthorpe. Long Town Church every Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 4. Good man. Young entrepreneurs, you know what? The future is bright. We've got plenty of young entrepreneurs in Cork at the moment. We've got young Kean with his cakes and treats, and we've the, the young lad with the cushions and the little flap inside the cushions. You know what? We have got some brilliant young creative minds out there, and the more we shout about it, the better. The Corks 96 FM Cash Cow. With Man Point for fashion, film, food, and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. I did tell you it was coming up. I have money. Moolah to give away. You got the password from Casey and Ross this morning. I'm not going to give it to you again. So let us know your name and the password right now to 083 396 96 96. We'll call somebody back, put them on the air, play the game. But if the cow moves, you lose. Off you go. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Fiona Kennedy brings her unique voice to the intimate setting of Wintrop Avenue on Sunday, March 13th. A singer-songwriter, recording artist and Irma Award nominee, Fiona has steadily been building a loyal fan base with her last two singles and tickets are available now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. To celebrate their 40th anniversary tour, Aslan will perform two shows at Cork Opera House as part of a massive national tour taking place on the 8th and 9th of April. Tickets are on sale now for the shows from the Opera House box office or corkoperahouse.ie. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. Stephen, Devin, if you hear that sound again, you lose. Oh, no matter. <laughs> you know the rule. If the cow moves, you lose. So what's going to happen? You've obviously been listening in. You've heard it go before. I'm going to let the clock go. You'll get an amount of money. If you're happy with that, you can shout stop. Or we can go on and try for another one. And they can go up. And they can go down, but if the cow moves, you're done. Happy? Not about it. We let the clock go. See where. And remember, if at any time you want to take the money, you just stop. If okay. not, just say stop. If not, then we'll go on. We'll move on. Gone. Here we go. One hundred and fifty euro. One fifty. What do you want to do? 
Play on? Okay, here we go. 50 euro. Oh. Play away. You want to play away? Play away. Okay, let's see where it goes. Another one coming up. If you can't lose, you lose. Remember. 200 euro. I'll take it. You'll take that. You'll stop on that, will you, good man? (laughs) (laughs) Will we we check and see what was going to happen next, will we? Sure. Let's see what was going to happen next. Here we go. 250 euro. (laughs) You'd have gone up, but sure, you're 200 quid better off. All right, listen, thanks for playing. Brilliant. Cheers. And I'll put you back on the lads to get some more details off you. That's Stephen. Stephen Glavin, our latest winner on the Cash Cow. The nine Quarks 96 of him, Cash Cow with Mahan Point. Catch a movie, explore over 60 stores, and shop till the cows come home on Thursdays and Fridays. More details, mahanpointsc.ie. And of course, it's only on Corks 96 FM. There is a shortage of tour guides. Would you would you believe that? A shortage of tour guides. Damien Punch from Cork Ghost Tours. What makes a good tour guide, Damien? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, I'd say that you want to share an experience with people because people want to have an experience. They want to have a memory. They want to have a bit of crack as well. Mm-hmm. So you want to be lively and engaging and have good fun with them and be entertaining. And I try to get them slightly involved as well. I'd have a joke with them and I'd break the story and make the story. And uh, so, yeah, an experience. That would be the biggest thing. How did you get into it? Uh, kind of almost accidentally. I, got, I ended up doing a tapas trail for people one time and doing wine and stuff and food and going from place to place. And I realized I really liked it. And I work as an actor anyway. And I didn't realize I'd enjoy interacting with people that much, you know, that you're having to crack and joking and telling stories, whereas in the stage you're slightly removed. So... I, then I went into doing becoming a guide, and I didn't know how to go about it. And eventually, I just wrote my own ghost tour, mm-hmm. and started like that. Yeah, the the ghosts of Cork. The ghosts of Cork. Well, it's actually the tour is more like horrible histories with lots of gags and a few ghost stories. And I have uh, another another wee person that appears every now and again at oh. surprising locations. I see. You have an accomplice, a spiritual accomplice. <laughs> I do have a nice wee spirit now that comes out every now and again and makes a lovely and slightly surprising appearance Good. just to give people a little tiggle. Right, right. Now, when you decided or when you devised this, like who who employs the, the, the tour guides? Are you self-employed? Is it your own business? Yeah, no, it's, my own, it's my own gig. So, yeah, no, there's no... I'm, I, I imply myself it's all down to who decides to come on the tour and how it goes and all the rest. Mm-hmm. But uh, so it's been popular. So and I didn't realize as well. I didn't know this when I wrote this. I actually didn't. Americans love ghost tours. They yeah. actually love them and they travel from place to place going on them. I had no idea this was the case. So I get a lot of Americans and then I get a lot of locals as well because the tour is good crack. And I, I usually come in you know, like like a bit of a head the ball when I'm leading the tour at my top hat and cape and stick. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's another thing. Your first impression counts. You arrive in the right gear yes. at the right time, ready, ready to go. You know, yeah. so that makes a difference as well. You're in full performance mode and, and from from the start, your punters the know that they're... They're not, this isn't. They're not just being brought around to show, be shown places. There's a performance going with. Why do you think there's a shortage of of guides, Damien? 
Oh, gee, that's a big question, PJ. Uh, I mean, it takes a bit of research to get all of this together. And, and the street, the street is the street saying, like, how do I put it nice? The street does what the street does. So it is a challenge to work on the street. But I mean, it's also great fun to work on the street. I don't know. I mean, this, you do have to research. You do have to know your material. Perhaps for some guides, they ha- like in my case, I'm, I'm in Cork. I'm based in Cork. It's very simple. I get on my bicycle. I'm in position in five minutes. But for some people, perhaps they have to move from place to place. They're on a bus. They're, they're, mm. they're not getting to go home every evening. They, they have to relocate. So that's more challenging. Yeah. That's a more challenging aspect of guiding. And, and your own business is your business. So it's, it's yours from start to finish. But is there an agency like that people can join up to be tour guides or, or is there any central agency handling it? Well, I think Board Falta run courses and help people in that. Mm. You know, so there is, you can approach Board Falta and, and perhaps they'll, they'll help people to get off the ground with it. Uh, that's a way in. But I mean, people do also do as I've done and just begin. You, there is that. You don't you need know, a license, there's numerous, do you? No. no, and that's the great thing. If I was selling something on the street, if I had a, a stall, I would need a license. But, but, but to walk around the city guiding people, I don't need a license. Now, I did go down to the Guardian and tell them that I was doing this tour. I, I actually wasn't even obliged to do it, but just to let them know. <laughs> but also because we actually did frighten the Guardian once or twice because we'd have our little spirit was hiding in the corner. They look at someone who looks like they're draped in blood. And I remember the shocked look in the Guardian's faces <laughs> as we came down the hell. And then they spotted me in the top hat and they realized, no, that's, that's not somebody just been murdered. This isn't going to be an awful day for us. And they kind of looked at me, waved and drove on. We won't be having to refer anyone to the press office over this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no. So, I mean, we know that there's a, there's a campaign, a drive-on, that with summer coming and we can get back to normal living again, yeah. hopefully, that uh, yeah. we need more tour guides. If, if someone's interested, where, where would you advise them to start? Oh, I mean, I think I think I would advise them to go to Board Fault or approach, approach any, or even go down to the tourist office and talk to them in Cork. There is a tourist office in Cork. Yes. Gosh, I wonder they open now. I presume they're open again. We'll email them otherwise. But they were at the top of um, Partick Street near the Partick's Bridge, and they're very friendly. Like they've been very supportive to me in the past. You could walk into them or email them and have a chat with them as well. They're so supportive because yeah. they want to see things happening in the city. So I did approach them before and dropped in my flyers and did things like that. And they referred some people to me. So, so there is that. That's yeah. one way in. Like, like I was slightly unconventional in my approach, but I did approach them. And Sport Fault, were supportive to me with, with my marketing as well at one stage. So, you know, there is, there is supports out there, but really you just have to... You have to get on. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Damien, listen, when, when are you starting up again? Or are you on all the time? Uh, I'm on a lot. Well, I, I'm available if people want me, but I, I mean, I, for private tours or group tours, but uh, for public tours, I'm actually going to run a few around Paddy's Day. I'm fierce excited because I, I ran them at last Halloween. I couldn't run enough of them. Right. I think it was because everybody was dying, literally dying. It's on a ghost. Yeah, but dying to do something, you know? Yeah. So I'm going to run a few around Paddy's Day, and then we'll see after that. I'll definitely run them through the summer, and I might run a few between Paddy's Day and the summer. I haven't, I haven't decided yet, okay. PJ, but okay. definitely going to do some at Paddy's Day. And, and whereabouts, whereabouts do you go? City centre or I, suburbs or where? I take them slightly off city centre. I, I pick them up near the Opera House on Emmett Place, and I head up towards Shandon. And Shandon, because... A lot of the houses and, and, and streets there are actually from the 1700s. And it's like a warren. 
and it's only about a, a four minute walk from the city centre anyway. So it was just ideal. I walked the whole city and I went, no, Shandon, it's Shandon. That's where we're going. Fantastic. All right. Well, Luke, do you know what you do? Get on to us around the, in the run-up to Paddy's weekend and we will let people know where you're going to be because it sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. That's Damien Punch who runs Cork Ghost Tours. If anybody's interested in being a tour guide or learning more about being a tour guide or wants to find out about tours, the tourist office is open. Carlos says, I lived in the Shandon area. Steeped in it, there you go. Steeped in history. Anytime you'd be out with the baby, you'd get people stopping their car looking for the road to Blarney or Shannon side. I didn't realize it at the time until I moved out of there, but I actually miss it terribly now. Another thing that happened to us is when you'd pass Shandon or some historic building, you'd get stopped by visitors asking questions. Eventually, I built up knowledge and I'd be delighted to tell them. We're a storytelling people, and this really brings out the best in us. And it reminds me of a conversation that I had with the Queen Bee last summer. We were away on holidays in Derry. Uh, well, we visited Derry in our holidays. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but the best, one of the best tours and trips and outings I've ever done in my entire life, and we did it in 28 degrees of heat during the heat wave, is the Derry Walls Walk. It's just the most fascinating hour you can spend and I'm, we were thinking, of that. is there anything like that in Cork? Is there anything of that nature in Cork? And it turns out now we've got a shortage of tour guides. So there. 0818 96 96 96. Have you downloaded our app yet? Remember, it should be on your phone or it should be on your tablet. Because on the app, you'll get not just the radio station, you'll get the hit mix, you get the fit mix, you get the Premier League, and you get all of our podcasts, which we do every day. Uh, we do the main program on podcast and we also do selected bits, chunks, podcast extras. And they're all available through the Corks 96 FM app. All right. You need to get that on your phone or your tablet. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we were contacted by a listener who had some questions to raise about wards of court. And it's a complex area of law, and moreover, because the law has actually gone and changed recently. But we'll just call this listener John, and he rang us with some queries about a relative uh, who has been made a ward of court, and he had some questions to ask about it. And it's a bit legally sensitive, so what we said we'd do is we'd go and talk to uh, solicitor Noel Doherty, who specialises in family law and indeed this kind of area. And it's good to have you back on the programme, Noel. It's been a while. Good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Good. Good to speak with you. First of all, will you define... I, th- I think the term ward of court, it has changed, has it now? There, there, there's been a change in it. Oh, there's a sea change coming down the road. No, it hasn't changed yet. Firstly, I want to point out I'm no longer a solicitor, PJ. Okay. I've retired, so I'm, li- I'm living the good life now. Good man yourself. Good man yourself. <laughs> so, um, yes, there has been a sea change in the regime around uh, incapacity. Um, there was an act passed by the Oireachtas in 2015, uh, the Assisted Decision-Making uh, Capacity Act, mm-hmm. which fundamentally changed the whole wardship process. Now, I, you didn't hear me wrong. It was 2015 that the act was passed. Seven years ago. It was passed seven years ago. It was passed in order that Ireland could comply with its um, its obligations under the uh, uh, the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, which we signed. 
uh, and uh, are supposed to adhere to. And since then, uh, there's been a process of trying to set up the decision-making service, that authority. But it's going to make a fundamental change to how people are treated. And it's all about rights now, rather than a doctor deciding on whether you have the capacity to make decisions or not. It's going to be a functional test. Uh, each decision that needs to be made, you the, the the person, if the person is capable of making a small decision and not a big decision, then they have a right to make that small okay. decision. Can a person be made a ward without their family or their solicitor being notified? No. Uh, d- generally, uh, the 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 under the existing wardship rules, uh, the person with whom the Pers- the, the 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 proposed ward is residing uh, should be informed, but there's no obligation to inform all next of kin. Right, and that's my understanding as a, sure, a, 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 from sure. reading the rules. It, it can be very complex. Then, and can it can the appointment as a or can the naming of a person as a ward can it be challenged? Yes, uh, a wardship can be challenged there, there, uh, you, but it's a high court application, very cumbersome, and uh, it is uh, expensive. I suppose it, the, the generally the costs of wardship come out come out of the wards, um, the wards property. Mm. Uh, but I, I think, I, Peter, to be honest, I, I think that the, the the ward it's likely the wardship is likely to end in uh, new wards will not be made after June. That is the, now the proposal. Right, and the new system is really exciting, and I'd I'd love to go through a little bit of that because yeah. it it would answer John's questions, I think, yeah, uh, very effectively. Yeah, because it, it, um, John John seems aggrieved at, at at the way that his relation became a ward, and and the details yes. obviously they're sensitive, but he, he and and he was looking to know can it be challenged, and you're saying it can, but the change in the law, how does that help someone like him? Oh, it, it's a fundamental change. At the moment, if a doctor, if two doctors decide that you don't have capacity to manage your own affairs, in general, you can be made a ward of court by application to the High Court. The High Court will make an inquiry, certainly, but uh, you then lose all of your rights. Mm-hmm. You have an applicant. You have the opportunity to bring an application to have the wardship set aside. That is quite unusual. Uh, because it is such a cumbersome process and an all-in or all-out process. The new system is about people's rights. It's about having the capacity. Uh, it, it's about having the capacity to make each particular decision which is necessary. Yeah. And there's a whole range of assistance that can be put in place to somebody who has difficulty with decisions, yeah. whose capacity may be called into question. And this, PJ, affects everybody because you or I may have an accident Mm-hmm. You, you or I may have an illness, or we, we, we may have, we may develop a disability uh, in some way during our lives, or when we get older, we may want to make decisions, and other people may try and take those decisions away from us. So I think it's really, really important that each decision that a person uh, is making, the, their capacity needs to be judged at that time in relation to that decision. And they have the right to make that decision. Why should somebody take away that right from people? Isn't it just the thing? One of the problems with capacity, isn't it? No, that it can fluctuate. You can have capacity today and not tomorrow, and that makes things exactly. really difficult. Exactly, and you can have capacity. Uh, I, I, 
about particular decisions and not about others at a, at a particular point in time. So I may have the capacity to decide that I don't want to wear those clothes or I don't want to live with that individual at a particular time, but I may not have capacity to make complex financial decisions. Mm-hmm. But each of the decisions that I can make should be left to me. And not taken away from me. And that's what the Assisted Making a Decision Capacity Act is about. Yeah. If a person has, uh, shall we say, a, 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 difficult, a difference of opinion, if there have been arguments between, you know, about relatives, can, can that complicate matters about whether a person should be a, a ward or not? Can, can that complicate matters? Oh, it can. I mean, uh, I suppose a lot of time people fight about money and people fight about inheritance and people fight about prospective inheritance. I always, uh, when I was working as a lawyer, I always advised people to hold on to their assets until such time as they didn't need them anymore. In other words, when they die and everybody will be nice to you. Um, if, if, if there is a fight between uh, relatives, as often happens, and sometimes it is for the most genuine of reasons. One person has a firm belief that their relative, that this should be done and another person feels that that should be done. And there is no inherent self-interest involved in a lot of those arguments. Mm. But... Uh, it, it it can it can develop into into very serious situations. Yeah. So now under the Capacity Act, you can get a dis, an assisted decision maker, somebody who can help you mm. to make decisions, yeah. and there's an agreement put in place and, with that person. Can that person can be a, a family member? Maker. No. Yes, absolutely. A trusted member, absolutely. Uh, a trusted friend or a family member, uh, and that's an, an assist. That person will assist you in making decisions, and there's a decision making agreement put into place. You can have a co-decision maker where where the 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 decision will be made and signed off on legally mm-hmm. by an assist by by somebody who will who is your co-decision maker under a particular agreement, and that particular agreement would specify the types of decisions that can be made. Mm-hmm. And then if if that's not possible and you need to go to a higher level, the new equivalent of wardship, it's it's the wrong expression, but the, the I suppose that's the way one can look at it, is that um, a decision-making representative will be appointed by the court for you. And the decision-making representative will make decisions in your stead in the same way as a committee makes now in, in the wardship process, but only those decisions which the court has set out are appropriate. So, for instance, a decision-making representative could be appointed to make financial decisions for you, mm. but not care decisions. Uh, now, there are, there, there, I think people should know as well that there are two other very important um, uh, steps that can be taken. So when you have capacity, you should make plans for a time when you may not have capacity. Mm-hmm. And you can enter a power of attorney, uh, an enduring power of attorney, which will deal with property and financial matters right. If you lose your capacity, so you can give and a chosen loved one, for example, but your power a, a, to make exactly. a decision, right? Exactly, and um, they, they, that 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 decision, I suppose, you can make it at at a time when you have capacity, mm. and and plan for the future. Okay, it's a it's a complex area, Noel. But I thank you for for clarifying it as best you can. And, and I, I know to our to our particular correspondent, they're in a difficult situation, but hopefully something can can happen for them soon. And I do appreciate it. That's a retired now solicitor, Noel Doherty. War. Uh, it's a complex complex area, but I hope we've shed some light on it. The law changing this year, uh, which gives more rights. 
to the person who could previously just be made a ward on the say-so of two doctors. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. All right, we have plenty of time for you to enter our competition with the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road. 500 euro voucher to give away every day. This week, you can choose from their range of custom Irish-made suites or dining furniture or mattresses and have an Irish-made sofa delivered in just four to six weeks. It's a family-run business for over 40 years, the Furniture Centre on Watercourse Road. Where is Fiona? Text or WhatsApp your entry. Tell us where she is and, of course, your name, 83 396-96-96. Today I'm in the centre of a popular Cork tourist attraction. Some people even come here to kiss a stone. Where am I? It's too easy. We might give you another listen to it later on, though. But uh, we've had hundreds of replies. OK, talked to Susan yesterday about her experience with ants. And she told me about them just arriving out of nowhere. They'd never been there before. They'd been in the house for nearly 20 years and uh, back in the summer of 2020 they arrived at a particular time in July and then last year they arrived as if by clockwork again at the very same time in July and she's dreading the fact that they might just come back again this year Uh, never seen them before hasn't a clue where they came from I I mentioned to her that I had that at home for a few years as well they would come up the same time of the year there for maybe a week 10 days and then gone again and sure enough, we've lots of people getting on to us and saying, yeah, it happens to me, it happens to me, it happens to me. It does seem to happen. Uh, Trevor Hayden is with Police Complete Pest Control. Trevor, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Before we ask what you might do about it or prevent it, what is going on when they arrive just like that for a few days or a week at a time? Yeah, so generally when people notice them the most, it's called the numptual flight. And what that is, is that's when they're breeding. And people claim that they see these flying ants, which they do, um, but they become more noticeable at that stage. And and it happens once, maybe twice a year, just depending on weather and and conditions. Um, But yeah, so normally, and it's around July, August, that tends to happen. And why would it happen in a place where it never happened before? Is that because they've just established a nest? Yeah. Yeah, so ants love sandy soil. So think paving slabs, cobblock, that all sits on a bed of sand. And it's easy for them to dig out. You'll find it. You're between the cobblock, you'll see little piles of sand. Um, kind of like a, a worm that digs into the, the sand on, on a beach and you see these little things. It's same same thing. Um, but yeah, so once they find somewhere and it suits their, their needs, absolutely. And they just multiply then really, really quickly. Mm. And And do they stay there? permanently or like like for, for example when I had them in my house um, they disappeared after three or four years and never came back 
if if the conditions are right, they'll stay there. So the ones that you had, their food source could have been cut off or somebody could have done something to, to not make the area as attractive as it was, um, and they'll, they'll move on. But if conditions are right and it's dry and they have access to food, absolutely, they'll mm. just stay there. Now, they're horrible, but are they harmful? Not really. You need what we put in the bracket of nuisance pests. You'd rather not have them. Yes, if they get into your home, they can climb over food and contaminate food and stuff like that. Um, But a lot of the times what we get called for is people see loads of them outside. Um, We actually, only yesterday, I was just telling you a researcher there, only yesterday we got our first call for ants this year. So I know it doesn't seem like it at the minute because the last week has been fairly horrendous weather-wise, but the winters are not as harsh. So everything we're finding, not only ants, but flies, wasps, bees, stuff like this, it's changing um, because of of the the changing global conditions with regards to weather. Mm. There are any number of household remedies that people uh, talk about, but one doesn't like to destroy nests because, you know, they're a living creature. But at the same time, if they're a nuisance, they're a nuisance, they need to call an expert. Yeah, like we, we get called sometimes and we go and nest it down the end of the garden. And in cases of like that, we'd actually encourage people, look, just leave them alone. They're not going to do you any harm. It's when they cross that border and yeah. they end up in your house. In the house. Like I had them in the yeah. kitchen. Susan has them in the in the sunroom. Um, you know, they, they, they seem to come in to bright, well-lit and warm parts of the house. Heat. The heat, yeah. So if you've a room south-facing and there's loads of glass and that room heats up, well, then it's perfect for them. Absolutely love it. Mm. And when they start to fly, like, that's... Are they near their the end of their life then? Or what, are they, are they, they're horrible to look at, like, when they start flying. <laughs> yeah, so you basically have two two types of... You have a male and female. The female will be much, much larger than the male. Oh, really? Considerably. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and that's them mating. Now, all the guys, once they've they've mated, die. So it's the females then go and lay, lay the eggs. Um, but yeah, so it can be. Look, they're quite big. You know, we've I've seen them an inch long. You yeah. know, so they can be quite quite a, quite a sight to see. You know, and does and the nest have appear. a queen, or what's the story? Yeah, yeah. So what what happens is when they're mating like that. You know, it, it, you're not talking hundreds; you're talking thousands. Like it, it, can, it can be, it can be quite a sight. But yeah, constantly laying eggs, and they'll they'll hibernate. So if you have nest, you know, um, if the conditions are right and they've food and it's dry and warm, that nest will just get bigger and bigger year upon year. Um, and a lot of the times, it's you find people will have them in the house, but the actual nest is outside in the cobble lock or uh, on the paving slabs outside the back door. Mm, and something is obviously drawing them in. The, the, like, do they find, do, do they seek out ways in to get food or something? Yeah, they're, they're not targeting the home, but they're opportunists. So they're, they're on the pursuit looking for food all the time. And if they happen to find a gap around a pipe, say the wastewater pipe coming out of the kitchen, and there was a hole drilled to accommodate it, and there's a slight gap around it, that's all they need. They're yeah. in. And they're not, they're not deliberately going in, but they're just looking for food. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Breadcrumbs. You'll see breadcrumbs moving along the floor like a procession. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable. They'll, they, what you consider, you know, crumbs and bits of dirt, absolutely, they'll, they'll live on that, no problem. Right, right. And they're taking it back to the nest then, and look, they're just living creatures. They won't stay too long, but how can you prevent them coming in in the first place? Is there something you can... Like, if you know where they're coming in, is there some kind of a barrier treatment you can use? 
yeah, look, there's different spray treatments and, and products like a gel base that you can use, but exclusion is much better. So yeah. if you have them outside and you don't want them inside, well, then you find out how they're getting in. And a lot of times it's something simple. It's a gap around a pipe or something like that, a bit of silicone around it, block the entry and let, leave them in the garden. They can stay out there, but they just can't get into your home then. Yeah, yeah. I think what happened with me was we got some work done. And, and the wall where they were, where I, I had traced it back to them, they were coming out from a particular corner of the of the kitchen. And the, and mm. the, we got some just some work done in that area, and they never came back. So obviously they got spooked and ran or whatever, or destroyed or something. Or, or the entry point that they were using when you got the work done was blocked and yeah. stopped them from re-entering. So. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so, so Susan's <laughs> only solution is... Just trying to find out how they're getting in and block them. She was taught was selling the house, but I think that would be a bit extreme. <laughs> no, a little bit extreme. Little bit extreme. <laughs> All right. If anyone wants you, Trevor, they can find you at Complete Pest Control. That's uh, Trevor Hayden. They're getting in. They're not any harm. They're they're not very nice, but they're not any harm. They're getting in from the outside into your house, and if you can find that and block it up, should solve the problem. Thank you, Trevor. Had their first call just this week. Methinks it could be a difficult spring for ants if they're getting called this week. 0818 96 96 96. Here's one. You remember the fraud case from last week? Uh, Don O'Callaghan jailed for uh, three and a half years after claiming his parents' pension for, for 30 something years. And it was just an incredible story because how did he keep doing it for, for so long? William was on to say, quite apart from the fact that the man was able to draw the pension for so many years, nobody's talking about the other part of the equation. When you claim unemployment benefit, you have to be available for work. And if you're claiming it a long time, the staff are supposed to find out why you can't get a job, be it through lack of effort, lack of skill, poor technique, whatever, and they're supposed to work on that with you. What was going on here? You often hear stories about staff pursuing this vigorously with people. But if they've done it in this case, it could have been picked up what was going on, surely, with the pension. Thanks, William. 0818 96 96 96. Cork Opera House is looking for a person with autism to work with them. Um, Eileen Gleeson is their CEO. Eileen, good morning to you. Hey, Jay, how are you doing? Good. This is a very interesting concept. Tell me more. So we, a number of years ago, we entered into a partnership with UCC and I suppose as part of that, we started a theatre artist in residence programme where we have a joint theatre artist in residence, somebody that works with us and works in the Department of Theatre in UCC. So this is our second time doing this and I think we just kind of want to do a little bit different this time. Um, coming out of the pandemic and having a little bit of time to reflect and think about, well, I'm talking from the opera point of view, to think about you know, how we can really make an impact in our community. We decided to really think about the word diversity and really think about you know, what that means. And our partners in UCC have been doing a similar, have been on a similar journey with, you know, they've opened a new autism-friendly autism space in university and there's a big initiative there to make it a more neurodivergent-friendly mm. uh, place. So I suppose we kind of had this, both of us kind of coming together at the same time and, and realising that, you know, we have this opportunity for a theatre artist in residence. We were going to be looking for somebody around this time. Should we think about looking at looking for somebody with autism 
to, I suppose, to take on this opportunity because we feel that, number one, we have a ton of things to offer between both institutions. And number two, we have a ton of things to learn. Like, we really have a lot to learn about this, I suppose, this sector of society. Um, so I suppose it's about celebrating diversity, number one, and really, I suppose there's nothing more diverse than a diverse brain type. Yeah. So celebrating what we can learn from people with different types of brains and what they can deliver to the artistic community. Mm. as well as giving us the chance to look inwardly and think about how we facilitate people with different with di- different diverse needs in our communities. So how does one go about applying or, or finding out more? Well, we're looking for professional theatre artists, so we would expect that this person who we work with will have a history of writing or directing or creating in some way, and um, will, it will be their life. So we would ask, there's a, by the 11th of March, we have this opportunity for people to send us their vision, what they would do over the course of the year. You can send it as an audio file or it can be a written file. And again, that's something that you know we took advice on, like how do we make it possible and accessible for this community to apply. And um, yeah, and we're really excited about what we're going to get back here. Like this is something that... You know, it's a different way of working, it's a different way of thinking, and, you know, it's a really exciting prospect for us. I think it's a fantastic idea, and I wish you well with it. Uh, e. Gleeson at CorkOperaHouse.ie is the address. Eileen, thank you, and good luck with that super idea. Okay, to line, what is that? Three, lads, okay. Dennis, Ants, good morning. Ants, PJ, how are you? I'm all right. <laughs> no, you, you have I, a solution? I have a solution, paraffin. Paraffin? Yes, Paraffin. Paraffin on a rag. My 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 late father, um, who was a mechanic, we used to put down. We we had problems with ants in our in our old home, right? Um, many years ago, and if you put down a little rag with right. some paraffin on it, the ants was just off they go. They don't like the smell. You know, they don't like the smell. Right. So yeah, would they it? Don't like the if, smell. For example, if you found a piece of, if, if a part of the skirting. Where they're coming out. Part of a little skirting and throwing it, off and it, the rag throwing in behind. Throwing a rag and off they go. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Loads of old, you know? loads of old ideas. They're just a nuisance. Yeah. They're just a nuisance. Yeah. They're not any harm, but they're just a flip. They're not any harm, no, no, because because I well, I actually just have a nest of them here in my own home. Right. Um, I I I had an old bathroom in my home. Right. And I'd since renovated the the bathroom, but before I put in the new bathroom, I had major trouble with with them. And I found out when I, when I got the bathroom uh, redone, um, my plumber told me that, oh, he said you had a major nest of ants right. in your bathroom. So, uh, yeah, they, 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 they get in, they get in through, through this, they, 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 the size of a, a needle, I guess. Yeah. You know, they're just so small, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and they expand and there'd yeah. be thousands of them. Thousands of them, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's a little cure, enough maybe yeah. for some some people. So if you can figure out where they're coming out, get a rag, yeah, just soak put it in a little rag, or put it behind you know, the skirting. Right. No, even even a little a little bit of kitchen roll or something, even anything that will soak up the, the little the little bit of uh, paraffin and. Uh, Put it into the area. All right, you know? Dennis. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you for that. Appreciate it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Any more ideas like that? Uh, that lady should get the bait stations. They're great for getting rid of ants. We had them previously, and it worked for us. But as Trevor was saying, look, they're harmless. They're not pleasant, but they are fairly harmless. But the trick is to stop them getting in in the first place. 
They will get in anywhere they can get in. Trick is to stop them. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We're back to the music. The Quartz 96 FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96fm.ie now. 96fm.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro Just Eat voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. Quark's 96FM. See a tweet from Francis saying, hang on a second, now we're on the brink of World War Three, and we're talking about ants. We are. Do you know why, Francis? Because people are really interested in stuff that they might have some hope of being able to control. So if there are ants getting into your sunroom or your kitchen or, God forbid, your bedroom or anywhere like that, you've got some hope of controlling that. What hope have we got of controlling Putin? Like, none. That's why people uh, want to talk about it. They like to talk about the things they can control. 0818 96 96 96. On walking tours and tour guides, the Shandon Area Renewal Association has developed a website for an audio tour of the Shandon area. Maybe you've come across it. I haven't, but I'd certainly like to see it. Paul says, PJ, about Cork taxi tours. They've been set up for years by Bob McAuliffe and uses us taxi drivers at tour guides and the late Dr Pettit I remember him the late Dr Pettit used to do a fabulous history walk what he didn't know about Cork you could write on the back of a stamp and it would be a small stamp you're not wrong now to the Montanati Hotel to some wonderful artworks that have just been installed up there and what I mean by wonderful they're different they're 3D artworks 3D paintings and 3D artworks and they're all very mathematical figures and there's something very soothing about looking at them. Miriam Fitzgerald Juskova is the artist in resident uh, there and she joins me. They are beautiful, Miriam. They're most unusual. Good morning. Uh, thank you so much, PJ. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for such a lovely comment. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are, they're based on mathematical figures. Yes, yes. Basically, uh, all my art, usually I just kind of have a vision and then I break it into either polygons, certain polygons or certain shapes, and then just work from there, break into numbers and, and kind of behind behind the artwork, usually I calculate quite a lot how much paper, how much strips I need, how many shapes exactly I need. So it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's a combination of the math behind the scene and then you're coming out with a third-dimensional artwork, yeah. Yeah, you're originally from Slovakia. Um, correct. Yeah, and you've been here for quite, quite some time. When you see something like that, something three-dimensional or something on a, even on a flat sheet of paper that draws you in three-dimensionally, we, we might forget there's an awful lot of maths in putting that together, isn't there? Exactly. As I said, yeah, you have to kind of break it down into the, into the figures so you know exactly. And I suppose also the design itself, it has to fit. <laughs> so you kind of calculate, okay, uh, 
how it will come together and uh, either you using the triangles or squares mm. and and the way how they kind of settle in together and make the vision that they had make yeah. a nice float in the work. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. How did you come to be associated with the Montanati then? I have a brilliant gallery representing me down there. Uh, it's a, the gallery can sell and uh, they offer me this opportunity and you can't say no, it's a fabulous hotel. It's a fabulous place to showcase the work. So, yeah, it was and generally, I mean, it's a, the Montanati Hotel itself, it, it's great that they have such an opportunity for the artists and residents, this kind of the program. Mm. It's it's a lovely place to show the work and by, and show it to the different different audience basically. Yeah. To yeah, to share it with more people, yeah. So your stuff is displayed now in, in the hotel. Is it for yes. is it for sale? Is it for sale as well? Uh, any inquiries? Again, I will direct people. Just contact lovely people in the gallery can sell, and they just help you with anything. You, you have any inquiries or questions? Yeah. Okay. All right. Listen, I wish you well with it and great success uh, with your beautiful artwork currently on display at the Montanati Hotel. Uh, Miriam Fitzgerald Yuskova. Beautiful art, three D. It's wonderful figures and drawings and paper and it's great it really is lovely 0818 96 96 96 the cork fi- <laughs> yeah the cork fishermen stood up to Putin and Putin backed down yeah should we send a few trawlers up to Ukraine how they might get there I don't know the geography of that part of the world isn't the best be a bit difficult I think it's probably landlocked but a few trawler men <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I don't know how you feel about all this. Uh, I'm worried, very worried for, for the future of the world right now and for what is happening and feel desperately sorry for the people in Ukraine and what they're going through. And we've talked to one or two women who are living here, who have family back in Ukraine, and they're, they're telling us it's, it's frightening. It's wor- very worrying for people. It's going on a few years. We're only hearing about it now. They're also telling us that no matter where you get a story from, with regards to the latest developments, be careful where you're getting it from. Check it. Check it against a couple of different sources to see how true it is. We're at a very worrying crossroads in the world. And you could devote half an hour of the programme talking to this expert and that expert and this historian and that historian. But unfortunately, ordinary people listening to a radio programme like this care about stuff they can control which is why they want to talk about ants right now. 0818-969696. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Okay, I want to go back to something that we touched on on the programme. In fact, we went into quite some detail on it in the last week or two. And that is the situation at Kilbritton National School, where an early intervention class which has been running very successfully for the last number of years, will not be renewed in September. The National Council for Special Education is not renewing the class in September. It will become a a class for uh, kids with an ASD diagnosis. So there will be three ASD classes in Kilbritton. But the early intervention class is gone from September. We were contacted by a parent about that. We subsequently asked the National Council for Special Education about this and they issued a statement to us 
in which they said, and I'm just in a nutshell, in a simple nutshell, they claimed in the statement that this was what was agreed to, that in September of 22, that class would revert back from early intervention. The school then said, actually, hang on a second, that's not how we understood it at all. Now, Social Democrats TD, uh, Holly Kearns, is, is across the story because, Holly, I think you, you see this as part of a bigger problem, part of something, an agenda that you don't like. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, um, yeah, very concerning issue. Um, and I suppose I know your programme has been covering this in great detail, but for any of your listeners that might not know, early intervention classes are tailored towards children that are aged around three to five normally with autism spectrum disorder, but there's a small number of classes that are also available for children that are deaf or maybe hard of hearing um, and for children with physical disabilities. And I suppose the key is the name. It's focused on early intervention. And there are approximately 150 classes nationwide um, for preschool age children, many with long waiting lists. Um, Like I said, early intervention, we all know how important that is. So I can't emphasize enough um, how much we need them. And I suppose the waiting lists in themselves inform us kind of blatantly Mm -hmm. where we're at in terms of them. We need more of them. Yet, unbelievably, it is starting to look like the NCSE, uh, the National Council for Special Education and the Department of Education, are prejudging the findings of a report, and I'll explain this, um, and have started the process of shutting down these early intervention classes, with Kilbritton potentially being one of the first casualties. So last week, and I know Karen has been on your show, um, the principal from Kilbritton National School, she got in touch with me uh, with the very disturbing news that the school had been informed their early intervention class was to close. Um, and that was to the complete surprise, like you said, of staff, students and parents. And it was despite the fact that the school... Um, has children already enrolled for next year's class and has accommodation and staff in place. So, of course, they didn't realise it was agreed, as the NCSE are now saying. And since the disquiet about this issue, and I think thanks to your programme for covering it and all of that, um, they have arranged a meeting with the school, and I think we're all hoping and presuming that there'll be good news from that. Mm. But it's still of huge concern. We don't know what the outcome of that meeting will be. But of huge concern is that the school were actually informed that the closing of early intervention classes is basically a national policy. And I can't actually tell you how gobsmacked I was to hear that, PJ. And oh, 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 I sit on stop, the dispatch. Pause that a second now, Holly. Who has yeah. said that? That, it's that a- is what the, the CNO told the national school that the NCSE informed them. Wow. That it was national policy to close early intervention classes. Why on but earth like would said, you do that? Exactly. So, like I said, I was gobsmacked. I sit on the Disability Matters Committee in uh, the Dáil and I also sit in the Children's Committee, which oversees um, a lot of things, including disability. Um, That's now gone into the Department of Children, out of the Department of Health. So I raised it at both of those meetings that week. And PJ, not one TD or senator on either committee knew anything of it and couldn't believe it. So I asked the chair of the Disability Committee to then raise it with the NCSE in the public meeting at the end of last week on Thursday to ask, was it their policy to close the classes? And their response was extremely evasive and worrying. Um, they kind of didn't want to answer the question. They said, would it be OK if we got back to the committee another time? And the chair came back in and said, can we just get clarification? Sorry, what is the story here? And they re- reiterated their reluctance to answer the question, said they'd re- um, correspond directly with the committee and said that they were waiting on the finding of an AIMS report. And what the CNO had told the school in Kilbritton 
was that they were going to close early intervention classes in favour of the AIMS model. Now, what's an AIMS report and what's an AIMS model for the benefit of people who have children who need early intervention? Yeah, so the access and inclusion model is what it is. So um, it's in a more inclusive environment in play schools. So it's, you know, so all children of age and ability can benefit from quality learning and care. And it's, it, it is really good. It, it's set in, a, in an early year setting rather than in a national school. But it's not suitable for children with more complex needs. And I think that's the key here. So parents and teachers and people who work in this field would be, you know, what I've heard from them is that that is not a replacement for early intervention. We no. can't phase out no. early intervention in favour of that. Um, so, yeah, basically the NCSE on that public meeting said they didn't want to comment and they were waiting on the AIMS report. So, like I said, it's starting to look like the NCSE and the Department of Education intend to phase out those early intervention classes in favour of AIMS. Um, and crucially, it appears that they're prejudging the findings of an AIMS report. So they said, oh, we're waiting on the findings of an AIMS report. But in advance of that, they've obviously started the process of shutting down early intervention classes. So what we need to know is what is going on. And we've been calling on the Minister for Education to come out and say if she intends to close down early intervention classes across the country and to explain what research, if any, has informed that decision. Because how has the process started without that AIMS report? So, so we're talking about how many sense. classes, Holly? Maybe 100 classes across the country? 150 classes? 150 classes across the country is quite a few in Cork. And um, and with, and with six in each class, than, wouldn't it? It would depend on the area, I think. I'm actually not entirely yeah. sure how many are in each class. But I suppose, like, to give context to this situation, PJ, I'm sure you know it from your work and um, from giving these issues so much airtime, which I think everyone's very grateful for. But while we're discussing early intervention, like, this isn't the only example of being people let down in terms of basic services in relation to this. Um, we have the new CDNTs, so that's Children Disability Network Teams that have oh. been established to provide service and supports for children, so oh, yeah. in defined geographical areas. So that's things like occupational therapy, psychology, speech and language therapy, mm. very crucial early intervention that people need. And the latest HSE figures for the third quarter of 2021 show that the Cork Kerry region, this is just one example, there are 758 young people on waiting lists for the assessment of needs, Mm. And of them, 557 were waiting more than three months. That's just for assessment. I know from talking to families that some people are waiting more than a year. Um, and we all know the importance of early intervention, like I mentioned earlier. So them waiting just for initial contact in mm. that sense is completely, completely unacceptable. Yeah. Staffing is an obvious issue here, and I get that a lot as a response when I try and raise it. But a concerning feature of the staffing issue is this, what they're calling whole time equivalent, which means we get situations like in Kinsale Band in Carrigaline, for example, a massive population mm. that has 0.9 um, of an, a nurse, 1.5 of a physiotherapist. So like, what does that mean for services? What is 0.9 of a nurse mm. for it, a family? It means hundreds of children sharing half a service. Exactly. And then there's unfilled roles, for example, in Kinsale Band and um, Carrigaline team. Again, it's missing, uh, last I checked, a physio, two occupational therapists, five mm. speech and language therapists, two psychologists. Um, and it's similar on other yeah. um, disability network teams in Cork. Well, Holly, one of the reasons that, that and I talk so much about this on the programme is that I very, very personal experiences. My, my, my son started out his educational life in a little school in Carrigaline called Sunnis. And okay. I think it is still the only school of its kind 
certainly in, in Cork. It's, it is a, basically, it's an early intervention. They called it a junior primary. It's an early intervention school for kids on the spectrum. And, and I will say, he's now going on a 25-year-old man. My son wouldn't be speaking, wouldn't be talking to us if it wasn't for what happened to him in Sunnis. So this is very dear exactly. to my heart. That just sums it up. I don't think anyone can understand how the Department of Education could be aware of a child that needs additional support and they will not provide it. That is that is what this comes down to. Mm-hmm. If a young person needs support, then they should get it automatically. There shouldn't have to be a fight on families' hands, on principals or, or school teachers' hands um, for somebody to get what they are entitled to. You know, how far up the line can education. you drive this? So is it possible to drive to drive an answer out of the out of the minister here at some stage? Absolutely, I won't. I won't let this go. Um, you know, I'll I'll keep bringing it up because I think if if I if I can um, use this opportunity just to highlight the bigger issue in chronic underinvestment and disability mm. in this country by successive governments, I would really love to go ahead, Holly. Um, go ahead because. Thank you, because this is something that I deal with, you know, all the time. I worked in disability support services for a year. I have never understood why when we live in a country that can afford uh, to meet the unmet needs of people people with disabilities, we choose not to. And there's that old saying that show me your budget and I'll tell you what your priorities are. And this is blatantly a situation of people with disabilities and services there not being prioritised. So in July, the Department of Health's own capacity review said that we need an additional 300 and outside 305 or 355 million to meet the unmet needs of people with disabilities. And instead, I think there was an additional allocation of 65 million. And this plays into this plays into people's lives in so many different ways, and it's actually shameful. So Irish people with disabilities, we have one of the lowest rates of employment in the entire EU. Just over one third of working age disabled people have a job. And shockingly, Ireland's rate of employment amongst disabled people is just half PJ, of the European average. Mm. There is a pattern, an obvious pattern in Ireland of the state failing to provide basic supports for people with disabilities. So in Ireland, pe- um, disabled people are more than twice twice as likely to experience poverty and deprivation mm-hmm. than those people without a disability. So just some examples of how that is the case. Last year, a report revealed that the cost of living with a disability is between nine and 12,000 per year. And I think we all know that's probably an underestimation. Very much so. And then, in, so, and then so when you take that piece of information, the additional cost, according to this report, is nine to 12,000. Last year, more people were refused disability allowance than were granted it. And then of huge concern is the fact that half of those cases which were refused and then later appealed were granted it. So that suggests that there is a very obvious overly restrictive approach taken by the Department of Social Protection who's assessing these applications. Mm. You know, basically they're saying you have to apply, be rejected and then reapply, yeah. which isn't always that easy depending on your disability to go and, through this application, application process. Form, the application form is a doozy, like it's so it's so exactly. detailed, really, and you have to go right then, back to the scratch again, it's crazy. And then to be refused and have to reapply, a lot of people give up at that refusal point, so then you have this added cost and you're getting no support whatsoever. Then we have um, we know that there are three separate transport schemes for disability in Ireland and the three of them are either long defunct or so overly restrictive that they're not actually function- they're functionally useless to people yeah. and a failure to provide basic transport supports doesn't it doesn't just increase your chance of isolation 
but it also has a huge impact on your ability to work and move out of poverty and yeah. ultimately to live a kind of full life. Like I said, as a country, we can afford to do this. We have a cost of living crisis. And for people with disabilities, they are you know, more likely to feel the shocks of this than, than anybody else. And there are solutions. And bear with me, because I know this language can sound like it's not very exciting, but it actually is when you get to the crux of it. So disgracefully, because there's ways that we can address all of these issues. Other countries have done it. Ireland doesn't have to be this shameful outlier. Ireland was disgracefully the, the last EU country to ratify. And this is where the language gets difficult to listen to. But please bear with me. The CRPD, we did that in 2018. It failed to, fa- failed to sign on 2018. Convention That's the of the Rights convention. of People with Different, yeah. Exactly. So shamefully, it took us until 2018 to ratify that. And what is even more shameful is that we still haven't ratified what is called the optional protocol of that Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. And that bit is crucial because that means the state is obliged legally to provide these services, that somebody's entitled to live independently, entitled to education, to public transport, all of these things that our state continues to fail to provide. forgive my cynicism, Holly, but that's the exact reason why it hasn't been ratified. To come because they'd have to do it then. Come back to come back come back to the Kill Britain issue. I know that you say you're going to drive it further up the line to find out is it the tip of the iceberg? Are loads of these little classes, these so important little classes, are they going to be cancelled now? Not if I have anything to do with it. Um, I will continue to work on this issue. I'm need to stay like a dog with a bone on it at the moment. Um, and I'll keep taking it higher. We do get opportunities to raise things with different ministers. Lucky we had the NCC into the Disability Committee last week and um, have no doubt I'll continue to raise it. Okay. Um, but just to finish on that broader issue around the UNCRPD, I'm sorry to go back to it, but Ireland can ratify that tomorrow. Um, you know, the, the UN Special Rapporteur, the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission have come before the Disability Committee and told all of us public representatives that that can be ratified tomorrow all we're missing is the political will. And if there's one thing I've learned in my so far quite short time in politics, I'm new to it, but the only thing I've seen the government respond to is huge public outcry. So I'm encouraging your listeners to mm. say we want that optional protocol ratified. We want our early intervention classes. We want people to be able to access transport and have education. And a key way to getting that, like I said, it doesn't sound exciting language-wise, but it is. It would guarantee people's yeah. rights to these things oh, yeah. if the optional protocol was ratified and encourage people to raise that with their public representatives, okay. particularly the ones in government. All right. Holly, we'll talk again, I have no doubt. Holly Cairns, Social Democrats TD for Cork South West. This is the tip of the iceberg, this, what's happening in Britain in her, in her view. Her view is that the early intervention classes around the country are going to be closed down. And she's trying to get an answer about that out of the National Council for Special Education. 0818 96 96 96. Dear PJ, as regards ants and a a war, ants are important and yes, we can control them, but Putin's action is an act of terrorism and against any international rules of freedom and democracy. For me, talking about ants is like telling jokes at someone's funeral. By not saying and emphasising how we're all against overtaking Ukraine by Putin, we're silently accepting this horrible situation. I think it's not fair. Ants are harmless. Putin is not. Just to balance the weight and importance of both subjects. I will go further with that. I'm not qualified to discuss Ukrainian politics or Russian politics. I know nothing about it. What I would, I would love to be further informed 
I definitely would. And I personally am very worried about what's happening up there. I feel actually, I think like a lot of people, feel kind of helpless. Right, we're asking you all morning where she is. Today I'm in the centre of a popular Cork tourist attraction. Some people even come here to kiss a stone. Where am I? Kira. Hi. How you doing? Where, Good, how are you? Where, where is Fiona? She's in Blarney Castle. She's in Blarney Castle. It'll, you got the easy one today. She's going to make <laughs> it much harder tomorrow. So you're off to the furniture centre at Watercourse Road with a 500 euro voucher inside in your bag. Uh, to Brilliant. spend. Thank or, you. And do, it'll be much tougher tomorrow. So you got away with one of the easy ones. I'll put you back <laughs> Thank on. Thank God. Cheers, Kira. Thanks for that. Uh, Blarney Castle is where Fiona was today. We do it again. And all day, all this week with the Furniture Centre Watercourse Road, a family run business for over 40 years. Program edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Behave yourselves. See you tomorrow just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.